Edge. Everything bass fishing. Coming to you worldwide from MegaWare Kill Guard Studios. What's going on, Bass Edge Nation? Another episode. Excited to be here on a holiday weekend. That's right. Uh, it's July 1, so we've got Independence Day coming up here in just a few days, man. It's uh, Summer seems like it just started, yet uh, we're rolling right into, it seems like, midsummer of fishing. Certainly down south, no question. Up north, still a different ball game, still kind of uh, late spring. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. But again, always appreciate everyone being here. Huge shout out to MegaWare, uh, our primary sponsor sponsor for so 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 many years so um, thanks to them always providing boat owners with protection from grinding salt abrasive rocks concrete boat ramps check out all of their great boat accessories at keelguard.com of course you never want to go on a boat without a keel guard so you never know when nature's going to call you better hit that bank real quick keel guard's going to help you out but uh, also a reminder to everybody make sure you hit that uh, subscribe button hit that like make sure you comment down there whether you're listening to us on YouTube or one of your favorite uh, um, platforms to a stream podcast make sure that uh, you subscribe you never want to miss an episode here of Bass Edge Radio released on the first and 15th of every single month Man, here we go, a quick review of the ongoings in the Bassin Tournament world. Um, man, just since our last episode there, uh, June 15th, we've had uh, several big events, as, as seems to be the case always from March through about midsummer. And um, the Bassmaster Open Division, uh, they went through stop number five of nine, uh, if, if for those anglers that are in the elite qualifying division that EQ division but they were out at Lake Eufaula uh, the one over in Oklahoma not Alabama and Joey Nania he came away with another open victory that was his second open victory for that Alabama he's a guide and also a Sweetwater TV host so uh, congratulations to Joey man you know he had a uh, solid event but really capitalized that final day uh, kind of with a last ditch effort fishing some retreads there around the uh, tournament takeoff but was able to utilize a finesse tactic using a Ned rig to uh, go ahead and lock up a win um, seems like overall kind of a tough dirt for uh, Lake Eufaula. I don't know if a lot of those fish were just in transition in that time frame, but again, big congrats out to Joey. Um, man, uh, an exciting tournament. The MLF Invitational swung through the Potomac River, mild home lake, so uh, it was always fun to, to watch that. Um, that was stop five of six in that series, the MF, MLF Invitationals. Um, Nick Hatfield stayed close throughout the week and then slammed the door on day three had the biggest bag of the event coolest thing is we're going to talk to nick on this episode of bass edge radio uh, we're going to hear his breakdown of the victory we're going to hear about kind of the seasonal behavior pattern that took place on the potomac that maybe you haven't heard a whole lot about on a river system in general so we're going to talk to nick about that but uh obviously that pattern helped him bring home a hundred and fifteen thousand dollar payday so a uh, shout out to nick we're gonna have him on here in just a moment uh the lake champlain toyota series 
uh, just recently completed. Um, a place that I fished and did mediocre at best, unfortunately, but uh, the tournament was kind of a toss-up between post-spawn smallmouth fishing and still a lot of fish on beds there the smallmouth still on beds there uh, there was a few random big bags and and some big largemouth weighed in the event as well but smallies basically dominated that entire tournament um, sight fishing for those smallmouth took the crown Plattsburgh, New York local Brent Carnwright got the W. Brent's been closed several times. Um, I believe the top 10 in the event was basically a, a split between sight fishing and casting for spawners. Um, dude, just that place is unreal. Uh, 17 pounds the first day of the tournament netted me in 93rd place <laughs> so uh, absolutely crazy but uh just just the last day or so we saw the saint Clair mlf bass pro tour close out um and they had some calm days uh some windy ones in that what i would consider a mini great lake event most of the event obviously took place there on st Clair. they could fish the st Clair river above st Clair. they could fish the detroit river there below st Clair, and even uh, Erie, Michigan waters were open, but it didn't seem like that was a big player. Jordan Lee, he's caught them good there in the past. He caught them really well there again, and he had lots of fish over five pounds throughout the week. And, and really that consistent quality, that four plus pound average with a few of those kickers, Really, really sealed the deal for him. He had mid-20s the first day, which was the knockout round, which is really kind of the first day of the championship round because now they carry over the weight into day two of championship, uh, of the championship second day where he had 23 pounds and uh, basically locked that deal up, man. But um, finding those earlier post-spawners seemed like to be a pretty big deal so those fish could be uh, feeding up already and getting a little bit fatter. And uh, that was kind of the difference. If you, could, if you could find those wads of fish that were already on bait and had been on bait for a while, that seemed like the deal that uh, really helped out um, Jordan Lee go ahead and knock that out with uh, a little bit better quality weight. But um, as you can see, we are out here on the road taping this episode. We're up here in New York on the St. Lawrence Seaway. Super excited to be here, but hang on. We're going to have our feature angler, Nick Hatfield, break down a couple weeks he's had here on the water. Not only there on the Potomac, but also on Lake Champlain. So y'all stay tuned. Again, we're going to be right back with more Bass Edge Radio. know the importance of protecting your investments so choose the protection the pros pick grinding sand abrasive rocks and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology the megaware keel guard is made tough and made to stick install it yourself in less than an hour providing the most dependable most trusted protection for your boat guaranteed for life insist on the original keel guard the pros have picked for 25 years megaware keel guard A rush of tournament adrenaline. 
the choice of champion, where performance meets play. Nitro, a big water beast, a pure fishing machine. Nitro, release the champion within. All right, all right, here we are back in the studio you can see the man right there welcome back to bass edge radio we're rolling right into our feature angler spotlight you see him right there on the screen mlf invitational pro from tennessee mr nick hatfield nick thanks for joining us here on bass edge yeah thanks for having us Kurt. pleasure to be here absolutely brother hey man it was awesome to see you notch the victory there on the potomac a few weeks ago in the mlf invitational uh many of us that watched the sport really close kind of kind of saw this day coming honestly uh you know you were a rookie last year had had a couple close calls your rookie year almost went in a couple of events obviously uh TVA stalwart, uh, being from Tennessee, but, uh, you know, it seems like you really get along with those, those TVA impoundments, but I got to ask you a question. Uh, you've had some really quality finishes and, um, are you've, you're 11 events into your pro's career. Are you disappointed or are you surprised that it took you 11 events to get that first win? Man, I, you know, I'm definitely not disappointed. I, I mean, you know, I'm I'm very blessed to have won as quick as I did. I mean, you know, I've been close several times, and uh, you know, there. I was talking to my brother earlier. You know, there's there's household names that have never gotten a, a big you know win. So, you know, very blessed and and just very happy that it, it happened as quick as it did. You know, I, I just I put a lot of work into it. And, you know, being being close several times, I think it definitely you know just helped me. You know, like like it's it's just a process. So you know, it just uh, it all led to uh, you know kind of what went down there the, the three days on the tournament. Very blessed. Absolutely. Well, it was great to see, man. Um, you're you're kind of self admitted. Uh, watched live a little bit. You know, kind of know a little bit of your history, but you know, not a huge amount of experience on tidal waters. Yet you've done really well on the Potomac River. You've cashed checks all three times you've been there. Um, you got a top five to boot in a Toyota series in the fall in 2021. Um, what is kind of making you jive with the Potomac River and that particular fishery, even though it's the tidal water? Yeah, um, I guess first and foremost would probably be just the grass. You know, um, I, I grew up fishing Gunnersville and the Tennessee River a lot. And, you know, we don't have much grass here in East Tennessee. Um, but, you know, the Tennessee River, I grew up on it, and I, I really love the fish grass. Anytime we go into a fishery that has grass, you know, that's normally my starting point and what I like to do. Um, but, you know, other than that, I think, uh, you know, like you said, I haven't had that much experience on title. But the Potomac is different for me because it's, it's almost like you don't have to worry about the tide as much as you do, per se, somewhere like the James. I feel like the James River, you know, I had to, times I've been there, I've had to really dial in, like, the tide and, and when to be where um, and kind of rotate a lot of different places. But, um, you know, for the Potomac, I feel like I can kind of find an area that has a good population of fish where I can get some better bites. And whether they're biting really good at that time or not, I can, you know, just spend my time in there and figure out how to catch them on a high tide, a low tide, an outgoing, an incoming, you know, all that stuff. So 
I think those two things, you know, allowing me just to kind of hunker down and, and find the population of fish and then, you know, just fishing the grass, fishing my strengths, doing the things I like to do. I think, you know, that, that just really helps me there. Yeah, it's, it's it's really important key. I think you say there that population of fish is 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 really good on the Potomac, and and that allowed you know I grew up there. I don't know if you knew this, but but I grew up yeah. on the Potomac. That's kind of where I cut my teeth bass fishing. Um, uh, so many so many great memories there. But um, I feel like on the Potomac, it is that style of fishery where you can kind of hunker down in an area that you know has some some better quality and a good population of fish, and when the tide is right you catch enough because of the the big population of fish that that you don't have to really run the tides like you mentioned on the james river the yeah. james you know kind of came to a point where it had a good population but it's been a lot of fluctuation over the last 20 years of when it's been good and not been so great and it seems like you've already dialed that in to where on the james you got to kind of move with the tides a little bit to stay on top of uh, of a bite window yeah, I, I don't know that I've dialed it in very much. <laughs> well, it's you've got the concept, no doubt. You, I, def, got... I definitely feel like I understand it a little bit, you know, en enough to at least get some bites. So. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, the cool thing on the Potomac is you relied a lot on bluegill beds, right? Mm -hmm. And this isn't something that's talked about a lot. I, I, I'll let, let you in on something, um, which I'm not sure – this at that point in my career i really knew what it meant but i had a big fish at an elite series event on bluegill beds on the potomac uh when we were fishing it in the summertime really? and and i never really like because i left there kind of in the mid of my fishing career mm -hmm. um and, and moved down south to texas at lake amistad um where, where we have bluegill beds too but just never had the opportunity to really put that together on the potomac like you did Dude, you dialed that in really quick that that you found some bluegill beds in a creek and you figured out you could catch some bigger fish around them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, it was like day two of practice. Uh, I think it was raining just a little bit. You know, it was probably like 9, 30, 10 o'clock. It was getting closer to low tide. And I was throwing my Rico around and I got up really close to the bank because everyone in there was out in the middle and the grass. I mean, there were people everywhere. I got up really close to the bank, and I had three or four really nice fish roll on my Rico, and I had the hook spin up, you know. And as I kept going, trolling down the bank, I, I just looked over and noticed that it was a giant bluegill bed. I mean, and it, it, it was probably, I'm going to say, 30 yards wide and 20 yards long, maybe 30. It was probably about 30 by 30. I mean, it was a pretty good-sized bluegill bed. I mean, you could smell it. You could smell the gills. You could see the bass swimming around. I saw probably, I don't know, you know, every bit of 15 to 18 pounds swimming around on it. And I'm like, man, you know, that's pretty cool. So I just hurried up and, and got out of there. And I never I never went back to it again in practice. But it, it, it wasn't really until day one and day two of the tournament that I really realized how many fish were coming to that and using it. I mean, I probably caught – you know, no joke, I probably caught 30 to 50 fish off of that one bluegill bed there in, in the tournament. And, you know, just day one, pulling up to it, throwing my wacky rig out there and catching as many as I did, it was like, oh, this is a no-brainer. I'm going to come back tomorrow for sure. And then day two, you know, you're like catching them there again. Like it just, it, it's something that I kind of unlocked, you know, throughout the tournament. 
found it in practice, but, you know, after fishing it like I did and stuff, it, it really opened my eyes to how many fish were using it, were coming to it on an outgoing tide, coming back to it on an incoming tide. I mean, it was just a place that they could stop, they could feed, you know, they could pull back out in the grass. I mean, it was a really cool spot. That is super cool. Now, now for, for folks and, and, and yourself, you know, you 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 live in East Tennessee. You got Douglas, Cherokee, uh What's that other one there on the Tennessee border, Virginia-Tennessee border? Oh, um, South Holston. South Holston. Do, do you find the bluegill beds on those fisheries as well in that kind of, you know, late May, June, early July yeah. time frame? Yeah, uh, more so on Douglas and Cherokee. I've not done it much, you know, up on South Holston, you know, but like growing up bluegill fishing, we would always find some and catch them. Um, Douglas, I've actually been able to find several. And, and actually catch them on a frog on a wacky rig, do the same. You lose me there for a minute. I did. You were you were just going to say you were doing the same style of thing that you were on the Potomac. Yeah, yeah. So I I was doing the same style of stuff on the Potomac. You know, like, like here at home on Douglas. You know, I. I've found bluegill beds before and been able to make that work. I've had, you know, found them up shallow around the edges of the water willow and, you know, you catch them on a frog or wacky rig, that type of right. stuff. Right. And it was basically what I, what I did growing up when we'd go bluegill fishing, you know, I have a pontoon boat or whatever, you know, it's kind of how I, you know, got into it and was able to find some bass doing it a few years ago on Douglas. And I've always kind of kept that in my mind and, and looked for it in places. So, so when you're when you're fishing those impoundments like that, do you find you know what I thought was really interesting? You said it seemed like new fish were coming into that bluegill bed on the Potomac, and that one in particular, the first two yeah. days we, we've we've talked about up to this point. Do you feel like that's the same thing on on impoundments, highland impoundments like those in 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 your home area, or or do you feel like those fish are more residential, and then on tidal fisheries because of water fluctuation and and current that it you know gets more fish yeah. involved in in a particular bluegill bed yeah i mean i, I definitely think on uh, somewhere like douglas uh where they they like to be offshore in the summertime mm -hmm. you know several of the really good bluegill beds i've found out there have been really close by to like a deep ledge place where they would get schooled up and i think fish do go back and forth you know like at night or Early in the morning, they'll, they'll pull up there and they'll kind of, you know, mill around, eat something, and, and then go back out deep the heat of the day. Uh, and I'm not going to say they're not up there in the heat of the day, too, but I do think that they kind of move back and forth. But for sure on the Potomac River, they move back and forth a lot more than, the, you know, I think they do somewhere on the Potomac. Okay. All right, cool. So let, let's move into day three, man. This is where you made the call, <laughs> right? You, you made a call to essentially, I don't want to say abandon, but not go to to that day one, day two area that had been consistently productive for you. Obviously, wow. it was pretty good. You were right there, you know, top 10 oriented. You, you, uh, you know, you're, you're looking to try to make the Bass Pro Tour at the end of the season. You're at stop number five. You've got a lot of things on the line. Of course, everybody wants to win, but you take a huge risk. Yeah. Let's talk first about that huge risk. How do you evaluate that risk from that tournament perspective versus a seasonal perspective? 
Yeah, so, uh, I mean, for me, it's, I wouldn't say it's all that complicated, you know, like, when it I go out. It sounds complicated to me, dude. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, when I go out and I practice for these tournaments, I'm right. trying to practice every single time to try to find the fish I can find to win the tournament. I'm trying to win every one. Yeah, I'm, I'm not out there to just cut a check and hopefully make it, you know. Like, I'm, I'm going to go down swinging or I'm not going to catch them. I mean, it's just that simple to me. So, okay. you know, like, I came off of a 103rd place finish at Lake of the Ozarks, and it was no different for me there. You know, I, I had I had ways that I could go catch a limit, but I chose not to do it because I wanted to try to catch bigger fish. And it really hurt me, you know. I mean, that's it is what it is. You know, that happens sometimes doing that. But sure, sure. on the Potomac, you know, uh figuring out what I had figured out and being in second going into that last day, I had been close to winning before and, you know, I've just tried to stick with the program and I've come up short and I just, I, I told my camera guy that last day, that morning, I said, man, you know, I'm, I'm going to gamble this morning. I'm going to, I'm going to go to an area that I've never fished on this river in my entire life and I'm going to go practice and I'm going to see what happens. I mean, you know, because worst case scenario, the area that I'd been catching them, it was no good in the morning. It seemed like it had to be 10, 30, 11, 30, 12 o'clock before it got good. So I knew, hey, if this doesn't work, you know, I should be able to go back over there and beat out 14 to 15 pounds. All right, I got you. You said that uh, it had to be about 10, 30, 11 o'clock yeah, for those that might about, turn on. Yeah, it had to be about 10, 30, 11, 30, 12 o'clock for it to really pick up over there. And I knew, like, you know, worst case scenario, if I don't catch anything over here, then I'll at least be able, you know, I should be able to run over there and beat out 14 to 16 pounds and see what happens. But, right. you know, having that that place that I knew about that I hadn't been to, I, it, it really, I, you know, I, I did take a gamble, but, you know, it paid off, and I, I'm glad I did it. <laughs> Absolutely. Paid off in a big way. And, and it's not like you took a risk going, you know, and in nowhere's land. I mean, yeah, no, it's it Creek. River. <laughs> it's, it's a very well-known, you know, tributary that that catches that, that people catch a lot of fish there. So, mm -hmm. so it wasn't like a total like dice throw in the air. So I get that too. Yeah. Um, and 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 it, and it made the right call, dude. You caught the biggest bag of the tournament on day three. Were you so? You had that flurry on another bluegill bed. You had mm -hmm. no clue it was there, but. Um, was it surprising to you? Did you feel like, well, I guess that's just how you're going to win? <laughs> yeah, so I've been told for a long time, when it's your time, it's your time. Like, it's just going to happen. There's nothing you can do to stop it, uh, you know. And it that day was like that. It, it was just crazy. I mean, you know, I, I rolled in there, and I just went practicing. I caught a good one out of the back of that creek, and I caught a couple small keepers and worked my way out. And I was going down the bank. And I thought initially that it was just a, a little ditch with a, a you know a strip of milkful, and I saw one come up and eat, and uh, I, I threw the Rico over there and, and caught it, and it was like a high three, and then that's when I hit that flurry with the Rico, and I just I mean that, right there I, I put 17 pounds in the boat, and I knew at that point in time I was like 17 pounds like you know I've I've got a really good shot at this. Especially, you know, I had like a 210 in the live well and one just barely over three. I was like, if I can get rid of those, I mean, you know, I, I should have this thing. And and it just felt 
you know, I, and I had no clue. I had no clue that I was close. I had no clue what they were catching, but it just felt like I was having that type of day. I mean, when stuff goes right, you, you know, you can just feel it, you know, you can tell and it, everything was just flowing. I was making good decisions and it, and it felt good. That's all well. Felt, I'm sure it felt really good to get the win. So uh, that was awesome. When you look back, obviously you're a genius, right? <laughs> I mean, you're a genius. If it goes th- if it goes south, uh, you took a risky opportunity to maybe. I mean, you probably wouldn't have lost a whole lot of points, but but certainly, you know, you're kind of on that edge right now to qualify for the Bass Pro Tour, right? Yeah. You, you've got a great chance going into the Mississippi River. Uh, another river fishery, another grass fishery, which apparently you're very comfortable around. So um, how do you look toward that final stop now on the Mississippi River? Uh, Going to go down here in just a couple weeks, uh, potentially qualifying for that next level of the Bass Pro Tour. Yeah, man, I, you know, I would love to qualify for the Bass Pro Tour. You know, I'd love to get up there with those guys and see what I can do. Um, you know, There's I, a lot of money given away in that tour. A lot of money. A lot, a lot. And, you know, it's uh, it's the goal. You know, you always want to, you know, you want to make the pinnacle of the sport. You want to, you know, make that rise. And that's for sure the goal. But, you know, like I said before, I'm, I'm not going to worry about the points. You know, if I go up there and I worry about the points and I try to fish – safe and do this and that you know i might come away with a check but you know i don't think a check's gonna do it so i'm just gonna stick to my game plan i'm gonna go up there and i'm gonna try my best to, to catch as much weight as i can find as many fish as i can try to go for the win and hopefully you know if i can you know pull out a top 10 top 15 maybe top 20 will get it done we'll see but just just Absolutely. try to shoot for the win and see what happens well, there's going to be a lot of people rooting for you. It's going to be fun to watch. Um, yeah, you know, the win at the Potomac qualified you for the 2024 Red Crest. Hadn't, I haven't heard a whole lot of people talk about this yet. Um, it's going to be down at Lay Lake in March. Uh, do you have any experience down there? What's your? I mean, is that even on your radar yet? I mean, it has to be a little bit, right? Yeah, I mean, no, it, it definitely is. You know, that's okay. <laughs> that's that's a you know a great. Uh, that's a great experience. I mean, you know, I haven't experienced it, but it's going to be a great experience. It's going to be awesome. I, I cannot wait. You know, I, I definitely look forward to it. I've spent, uh, I've fished a couple college tournaments on Lay, and I've got a couple buddies that live down there. I've been fishing with them out there a couple times in the past. Okay. So I've got a little bit of time out there. I know a little bit about it, but we're definitely going to have to put some work in. Maybe go, go visit it, check it out. You know, see what we can come up with. But I, I definitely look forward to that. It's going to be a really good time. It's going to be an exciting event. It's going to be fun to watch. Um, man, let, let's take a breather and, and a moment to thank Bass Pro Shops as the presenting sponsor of this feature angler spotlight segment. segment. Bass Pro Shops reminding you we all live downstream. We're going to be right back with more from Nick Hatfield right after this message. Come on, man. Let's roll. What the? To catch the fish, you need to be one with the fish. With PowerPole shallow water anchors, you'll get the ultimate in precision, power, and control so you can catch more fish. No face paint or phony fins necessary. 
Excessive shock and vibration are two leading causes for premature battery failure. Prolong the life of your batteries with the new MegaWare Battery Guard. The Battery Guard sits under your battery and absorbs excessive vibration and bounce, reducing G-Shock by up to 80%. Great for boats or anywhere shock and vibration can damage a battery. The Battery Guard can easily be trimmed to fit virtually any custom shape or battery size. Save money by protecting your batteries. Spend more time on the water and less on maintenance. Find yours at MegaWare.com. Hey, we're good. Hang tight. I'll just have to cut a little edit spot, but I'm going to hit some music again. I guess my uh, my internet kind of sucks, but we're good. It's all right. All right. Yeah, it'll just take a little bit of edit, but it'll be fine. All right, here we go. Welcome back. More Bass Edge Radio with MLF Invitational Champion Nick Hatfield, our feature angler spotlight. And it's been a fun conversation, Nick, man. Um I got to ask you a quick question. Of course, you roll up to Champlain after winning the Potomac River event. Um, you managed to put together enough bass for a check in an extremely big field, 240-some boats, a, a predominantly a lot of locals, a lot of out-of-towners too, but, man, you did it in a short practice period kicking my butt along the way but um how did you approach you know i love to talk about smallmouth this time of year just because it's so prominent on all the mm -hmm. tournament series right so and and a lot of people i'm up at st lawrence right now a lot of people come up to the north yeah. get away from that southern heat kind of just you know see what's going on up here how can we help some folks catch some more smallmouth you're on the water just a short practice practice isolating some fish identifying some fish so quickly on such a large impoundment like champlain can you kind of break down how you did that yeah so uh you know i drove up from the potomac i believe it was tuesday night and got there pretty late rig rods till about midnight or so um and i slept in till about i'm gonna say eight or eight thirty snuck out there and uh you know I, I mean i had a pretty good idea of what may or may not be going on i knew that i, I figured that spawning smallmouth were probably going to win it but you know i just the time you know I, I didn't have the time to go out there and find them and uh i knew that there should be some post spawners or even some fish that i could you know potentially scope off of some boulders you know like 10 to 20 foot right and so that was kind of my approach i, I just tried to look for a little bit of both and you know luckily the time that i've spent up there um i kind of know which areas to get in and, and try to start looking first and uh you know i'm not gonna lie for about the first three or four hours of that practice day i had i don't know if i caught a smallmouth and i was getting a little worried <laughs> but um towards the end of the day i was able to locate just a couple little deals and uh 
and most of it was just using forward-facing sonar. And, you know, I was catching those skinny post-spawn bass because, you know, I weighed in like 17 and a half a day. Right. It was crazy because – But it was consistent. It, it was, was consistent. consistent. You know, 17 and a half pounds a day gets you 53rd. Anywhere else in the country, <laughs> I'm like, this is going to win. It was pretty wild. But, uh, it, it, you know, I just kind of stuck to those areas. I knew that I wasn't going to be able to – probably contend for a win unless I got lucky in the tournament and stumbled on something. But, you know, I just – I wanted to try to cut a check, and uh, I was able to make it happen. So do you think now that, that forward-facing sonar and, and all the technology, you see these northern fisheries just really explode? Is it yeah. that the fish have always been here and now we're getting better at catching them? Or, or is the fishing just getting better at all these northern fisheries? I'm on, I'm on St. Lawrence today, had, you know, a little over 20 pounds and felt like I wasn't on squat. You know, I spent yeah. like six hours out there. And, mm-hmm. uh, but, but you roll up to Champlain, catch 17 and a half a day. You know, it's, it's still, you know, you say 53rd, but, I mean, it's a tough field. You know, there, there's a lot of 240 anglers there. So, uh, you know, you're catching them pretty consistently. What, what's your thought process on these northern fisheries you took, I don't know if you took a look at St. Clair the last couple of days, but yeah, it's pretty wild. Pretty wild. I mean, you no, know, I, I think, I think the fisheries are really healthy. Um, you know, I, I, I think that they've always been really healthy. I think that forward facing sonar is definitely playing a part in some of the weights we see nowadays, you know, because without it, you know, you really, there's a lot of fish out there that have never been caught, especially some of these old smallmouth, you know, uh, I, I think there's a lot of fish out there that never been caught or never would have been caught without it. And uh, so I do think that that's exposed a lot of the fish and a lot of the weights that we see now. But, you know, I, I do think that the fishers are just really healthy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it helps when it's iced over for six months out of the year because you know, they get no pressure and, and nobody messing with them. You know, like where I live here in Tennessee, they got boats pinging across them 24, yeah. 365 days a year. So. December, January, people are still looking at them, trying to catch them. Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. freaking awesome. All right, man, when you look at smallmouth post-spawn, early summer, like we are in right now, like like you attack Champlain, how do you see, you know, similarities to largemouth? You know, I'm trying trying to equate this to... Some, some some anglers that are fishing down south, they just don't have the smallmouth like like they do up north. Um, yeah. Is it kind of the same behavioral cycle if they were to come up here and kind of, you know, tap into this? Or is it just completely different? How do you see the two uh, similarities and, and differences all at the same time? Yeah, so, um, you know, for me, I, especially being here in East Tennessee, you know, we follow the bass, you know, as they – go from deep in winter, you know, shallow throughout the spring, they spawn, and then a lot of them want to get back out offshore. And I think for smallmouth, you know, it, it's really similar. You know, the water's a little bit cooler up there than it is maybe here or in Texas where you're from. But, you know, I think it's basically the same type of deal. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll move up shallow, they'll spawn, and then a lot of them want to get, you know, back out deep 20, 30, 40 feet. Um, you know, the grass in some of those fisheries, you know, the St. Lawrence, Champlain, St. Clair, a lot of those places do have grass. And that, that helps fish, you know, a lot of them, even smallmouth, you know, it'll help them stay shallow, you know, that five to 10 foot range. And, 
Um, you know, that's, that's anywhere in the country, really, if you've got grass or, you know, even if you don't, you know, there's fish always year round that'll live shallow. And especially I think, when there's grass, yeah, yeah especially <laughs> when grass. So, you know, having the grass up there on those fisheries, you know, the ones that have them, uh, you know, I think that helps a lot of fish stay shallow. And then, you know, you go up there and you fish a Toyota and it's say in July, early August. And yeah, it's probably going to be one deep. But you still get a lot of guys that blast them up shallow. And a lot of guys are just like, man, you know, it's crazy. Like, these fish are still shallow. Like, what's going on? But you got to realize the water temperature is a lot cooler up there. And they do have a lot more habitat up there as far as grass and this and that. So, you know, it's it's just one of those things. There's always going to be fish shallow. And to me, I feel like that a lot of the really big smallmouth, five, six, seven pounds, you know, you catch a lot of them out deep, but I still think you're five, six, seven, eight pound smallmouth. They they don't want to go much deeper than, say, 20 foot a lot of times. So I, I know it might sound crazy, but I believe that, you know, you're, you're true giants. I think that they want to stay shallow as much as they can. Yeah, that's a, it's a great point. I can relate that to Lake Amistad where, where I've been living the last 12 or 15 years. And um, I feel like most of the big bass are caught between 15 and 25. Although there's a ton of fish out in 30 to 40 mm -hmm. in, in the summertime and in the wintertime. Um, still, a majority of the big fish caught in that kind of 15 to 25 zone. Right where that kind of light penetration disappears. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's such a critical area. Unless there's grass up there which obviously uh reduces some of that light penetration yeah, well. but, uh, yeah great great concept right there um more people are getting to know nick hatfield watching nick hatfield as an angler becoming fans of nick hatfield if 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 a fan of nick hatfield wants to understand techniques and styles of fishing that should come to mind when they think of him we think of Maybe Kevin Van Dam spinnerbait jerkbait. We think of Denny Brower uh, jigging. Um, you know what? What does a fan? What should come to mind when they start thinking of Nick Hatfield? It's uh, it's pretty crazy just to hear that I may have fans. To be honest, <laughs> you do, brother. You got fans. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I really hope that guys see me as someone that's pretty well rounded. You know, I feel like I've spent a lot of time trying to hone in on certain techniques and. And really all techniques and trying to you know feel comfortable picking up anything you know and, and being able to use it and use it well and uh I, I you know based off my finishes you know i've been able to catch them all over the country and have good finishes in a lot of different places there are certain things that i like to do you know if you'd asked me two years ago uh you know i love to use live scope it's starting to become one of those things to where you know i really don't want to use it as much I'd like to catch them different ways without having to stare at that screen. And and don't get me wrong, I love to do that, but and it's fun when you're catching them. But you know, to have that win on the Potomac where I literally didn't have to use it at all, that that's like I love that, and I'm I'm glad that happened. But uh, you know, I just you know I would hope that that guys see me as somebody that's well-rounded, and you know, I can kind of utilize everything to to do what I need to do to get it done. Right. Right. Very cool. Well, it was fun to see you jump in the Champlain Toyota. Have you jumped in any other Toyotas yet so far this year? Oh uh, yeah, I fished the. Uh, I think it was a southeastern or southern Toyota on Smith okay. Lake. Uh, it may have okay. been central, to be honest, but I, I I think I missed a check by one place down there. You like uh, those spotted bass on Smith? I do. I love that place. I just you know 
it was another one of those deals. I had a kind of a short practice and, uh, it was cold getting warm and I, I really didn't figure it out, um, that, that quick that week, but, um, you know, just part of it. Well, we're going to see how your 2024 is going to set up pretty soon in a couple weeks. Uh, once the MLF invitationals conclude, where are we going to be able to see Nick Hatfield the rest of 2023? Um, I'm going to be like fishing the Northern Toyotas. I'm going to fish the rest of those, try to okay. make the, the championship. Uh, hopefully we can make the championship on Table Rock. And, uh, I'll, of course, I'll be down at ICAST if anybody's down there. But, uh, awesome. you know, hopefully I'm just going to be here at the house uh, hanging some gutters, you know, working on some houses and uh, – my wife's on me pretty hard about going to the beach, so we probably have to do it at one time. <laughs> What's the beach of choice of the Hatfield family? Man, we, we love to go to Destin, Panama. Uh, okay. We, we've been to several, but I told her, I said, we're going to pick a place on the map that we haven't been to, and we're going. When we go, we're going to go. So. Right. That's super cool. Man, I appreciate you being with us here on on Bass Edge Radio. Any final thoughts for for the for the listeners, and um, just any closing remarks you got before we uh, move on to the next portion of the show? Um, no, I mean, you know, I just uh, if anybody's out there listening, and uh, you know, you have a, a thought of, or a dream of, of you know wanting to try to chase fishing as a career, you know, I, and, and by any means, I haven't. I haven't done that yet. I'm on my way. I'm trying. I'm working. You made 115,000. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, I just I I want to tell them. You know, just just stay after it. You know, you can do anything that you set your mind to. And uh, you know, just uh, there's going to be highs. There's going to be lows. And you're going to feel like a lot of times that you can't you know get it done. And you don't know what you're going to do. And you know, it's it's tough and it can be really tough. But uh, you know, just stick to it. If it's something you really want to do, you have to love it. But if you love it. You know, I think you can do anything you set your mind to. Yeah, it can it can definitely become a mind game at times. That's that's absolutely for sure. But uh, well, Nick, it's been awesome. Like I mentioned, to uh, have you here on the show, uh, it's been it's been fun, been educational. So I appreciate you bringing that bringing that to the program. Uh, y'all, stay tuned. We are going to come back. I'm going to have some closes and remarks. We're going to talk about some events coming up very soon. More right here on Bass Edge Radio. A rush of tournament Can you hear me? Nitro, a rush of tournament adrenaline. Nitro, the choice of champions, where performance meets play. Nitro, a big water beast, a pure fishing machine. Nitro, release the champion within. Nobody wants to run out of power when they're on the water. There is a better way. 
Introducing the Charge Marine Power Management Station from PowerPole that does the work of three devices, a traditional battery charger, a charge on the run, and an emergency start system. PowerPole Charge. All right, here we go. Back in it with Bass Edge Radio. Appreciate everybody staying tuned. Man, what an awesome interview with Nick Catfield. It was great to have him on the program talking Potomac, talking Champlain. Man, that guy's got it together. Got all kinds of stuff uh, going on. Funny thing is, is a lot of people, if you haven't really been watching what's going on with Nick Hatfield in the sport of bass fishing, is uh, it's been around for almost two years, and he's crushing it. <laughs> he's crushing it. Won the rookie uh, MLF invitation out of the MLF. I guess at that time it was the pro circuit. Um, now first year with the MLF Invitationals. He's got his first W. Um, dude, he is. He's he's making it. He's he's making it strong too, and he's cashing a lot of checks and and very very consistent. So fun to have him bring all of his knowledge right here to the show not only with the potomac river event but obviously like i mentioned with the champlain event and um just kind of his prowessness with with all of those things going on so um what, what a couple things i thought really interesting is man uh he's pretty chill like he doesn't get caught up and you know he's excitable i think you know you, you saw some of that on live um if you watch some of the mlf invitational stuff but um Man, he, he's really got a nice, even, what I would call even keel as far as emotions. And and I think that plays really well in this sport. Um, he does, you know, you don't want to get jacked up, you know, if you lose a fish, have a bad tournament. Um, he even talked about, but a good enough event to where, you know, he didn't just totally fall out of the standings, and uh, he still went for what he thought was needed, which was, um, you know, kind of a, a uh, you know, a high finish. He said he's going for the win, man. That's it. That's that's what he's looking for every time. So, anyway, it was great to get to know Nick a little bit better. As Nick mentioned, he's going to be at ICAST. We are going to be at ICAST. That's kind of the next thing. Uh, we've got July 12 through 4. In Orlando, Florida, we're going to be talking a little bit here on the next pro coming out of ICAST, but at the same time, right after ICAST, the tournament series just goes ballistic. You've got the uh, Bassmaster Opens, uh, the next stop with the EQ Anglers trying to make that Elite Series going to happen up here on the St. Lawrence River. You've got uh, the MLF Invitationals that we talked about with Nick earlier, June 25th, or excuse me, July 25th through July 27th up there on the Mississippi River. Always, you know, not a big weight of event there on the Mississippi River out of La Crosse, but it's always a lot of action. And the close weights, you know, that that four-pounder can just take you so far in that event, you know, because there's just always a lot of 12 to 15-pound bags. But you start raking in that 16, 17-pound bag, you start making some noise. It makes that a fun tournament to watch. And then lastly, the uh, Bassmaster Elite Series going to be uh, swinging also through Lake St. Clair. I'm sure a lot of those guys learned some stuff there at the uh, Bass Pro Tour and what was going on. So, We'll see how that kind of shakes out for that next Elite Series event. That that series is uh, smallmouth-oriented, 
could catch some largemouth down there at Champlain, but you got St. Clair, you've got St. Lawrence, and you've got Champlain, those last three major events in that series. So it's going to be going to be fun to see if those largemouth guys can kind of stay in the mix that did well earlier this year and stay stay reasonable on those smallmouth fisheries. Um, here it is, y'all. Thanks again, Pro Nick Hatfield, for being here on the show, bringing the bassin education again in this episode. And also, uh, we want to be sure you tune back with Bass Edge, a new episode on July 15th. Uh, we're going to be in Florida doing the next show. Talk to you a little bit about what's going on on iCast. Stay with us through the rest of the summer. Um, we're all going to continue to keep growing here on Bass Edge Radio and become better anglers so uh adios we're gonna see you next time so long everybody from bass edge bye bye